Welcome to Scream Quest, a limited run horror series offshoot of our regular podcast, Scream Quest. This is our final horror themed episode, at least of 2022. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by a very special guest, Adam Gumbert from Lexington, Kentucky, and a former ECG co-host. Adam, good to see you, man. Hey, how's it going? Everything good over there? everything's great here man no complaints uh jaguars lost but that's no big surprise and uh that's about the sum total of my weekend besides some halloween shenanigans yeah it's fine afc south is trash all all around don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) of course we also have regular co-host will rotondi hey how's it going and last but certainly not least uh the lovely lovely may finch hey folks on today's episode, we will be talking about a pair of films. Uh, the two films are Ready or Not and The Invisible Man. And our topic this week is good for her. So we will be uh, talking about uh, how we feel about um, how these two films unfold. I think very different tones. Both excellent movies that I enjoyed a lot. Because Adam is our special guest, we're going to start with his selection, which was uh, Ready or Not. But first, Adam, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and give us your background with the horror genre? Oh, I don't like horror very much. Uh, No, (laughs) I do. So when we were on ECG, we were going through all the Alien versus Predator movies. And Alien is my favorite horror movie of all time. I like a lot of horror that's either action or a little bit of suspense. I just don't like jump scare stuff. So anything that's not, that's why I was like, Anything that's not overly gory or jump scares, I'm all about. But that, like, I love 80 slasher movies. I wasn't even alive back then because that's fun horror. So that's why I chose Ready or Not. I had never seen it. But like, that looks like a fun horror movie. So I want to go for that because that's my, that's my kind of uh, the thing I, I'd vibe with. Very nice. And uh, we'll, uh, at the end of the podcast, hear about some of your ongoing projects. You're a very busy, busy man, as I, uh, you know, see on Twitter, uh, every week looks like you got a lot of irons in the fire at any given time so try to be yeah yeah (laughs) all right um well adam if you don't mind since this was your selection can you uh tell us why you selected it and then just give your overall impressions to start and then we'll go around the table here and uh collect impressions from the rest of the host well uh like i was telling you before we were recording uh, or the weeks leading up to it i was looking for i wanted to pick this uh, good for her because like that sounds fun because originally I was thinking alien it's like oh perfect that'll fit right in there and then we were talking and half my list that I gave you ended up coming off the board which is completely fine um, and then I was like ready or not I've heard good things I've never seen it I like tomorrow weaving and it seems like an action kind of a dark comedy kind of a thing so I'm like, you know what perfect I- I'd love to check that out and I love this movie it's very fun it's just fun I think is the perfect word for it where the entire family are crazy kooky characters are awful people and it's fun to watch them get murdered or murder people um smart weaving is a badass the whole movie i just it's a very fun like yeah revenge story it's just with a lot of weirdness i like it a lot it's it's my kind of thing and i loved it like i said i'd never seen it didn't know anything much about it and was uh i was very impressed awesome yeah um 
definitely a movie I heard a lot about, but um, I don't even know if I ever saw a trailer for this. So uh, like this was a great experience because like I had just the smallest inkling of like what the tone was going to be. And just like I was able to just purely enjoy the ride. So I'm glad you liked it as well. I loved it. It was it was a blast. I think sort of what Adam was talking about. It was just a lot of fun to go into and see how it was going to turn out. I mean, for the selection based on the prompt that we had, you can't. I mean, I kind of had a feeling how things were going to turn out in the end, but I was still, you know, it was it was uh, it was just a lot of fun to see how it was going to happen. The characters were funny. The story was interesting. Samara Weaving is amazing. I mean, that was pretty much my she was my favorite character by far. And uh, yeah, that's I don't really have much else to add, man. It was great. Uh, I am so glad that Adam picked this because I had no idea this film existed at all. I don't know how I missed the marketing or if there just wasn't that much marketing for it when it came out, but I loved it. Uh, as everyone else has said, Samara Weaving was amazing. I also thought that, um, I mean, despite the fact that these are all just kind of terrible people with their own little quirks, the uh, relationship with Daniel and Alex had a lot of depth to it. Um, and I appreciated how that got explored in addition to just the brute survival aspect. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I think if I were to have to just like sum this up for like an elevator pitch, I would tell people this is kind of like Clue meets the most dangerous game. Um, like like the Clue, the, the movie from the from the 80s. Um, and I, more or less like just because of like the setting and the cast who I thought were all just like a lot of fun and uh even though you could pretty much, I think, intuit that a lot of them weren't going to make it out, um, that it's kind of the movie where, like, the pleasure is seeing, like, how, like who's going to go down when and how kind of thing. And I think just, like, start to finish, uh, this was just a fun ride. Um, it, like, it's not often that you have a popcorn, like, horror movie, and I feel like this was a popcorn horror movie where um, I think if you can tolerate a little bit of like blood um this is a blast like i feel like this is a pretty approachable one so um i'm very glad it was it was on my radar and then kind of dropped off because it's been a few years since it came out and i am also very glad we picked this because it was just i you know after last week especially with like the real serious tone of the exorcist and midsummer this is a nice little palate cleanser uh while still being in the horror genre for me well, I kind of want to open up the the table to discuss really any particular standout scenes or aspects of the film that you guys appreciated. Um, really, like no holds barred. Um, however, you want to uh, come at this thing. So let's get into it all. Yeah, I whenever I do reviews for movies, I take a bunch of notes in the Google Doc. So I just have a bunch of random bullet points that uh, are fun. I guess I'll just start naming them out. Um, I remember the line where he said, so at the very beginning of the movie, we get the flashback to them doing the ritual, you know, the very rare hide and seek uh, that they did in the 80s or whatever. And uh, they're like, I'm glad we don't have to wear those masks anymore. Like, yeah, that was just a thing my dad did because it was the 80s. I thought that was like, all right, let's make fun of all the 80s slashers because those dudes just all wear masks for no reason. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun, a lot, lot of funny lines, actually. I mean, I do feel like it's a dark comedy because there's a lot of comedy in it. Um I forgot the the lady's name. Let's stop giving the daughter any weapons at all because she murders everyone that's not Samara Weaving multiple times. <laughs> she shoots the, I think the nanny in the head and then she shoots the maid in the mouth of the crossbow. Just like, stop giving her anything. 
just yeah. in general. The Andy <laughs> McDowell character, Becky, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah. yeah. Andy, she's doing lines of coke. Oh, and... you don't suck. Like she's trying to reassure her after the, <laughs> <laughs> the That's first. so funny. She's so incompetent. It's great. Um, so I do like how this movie is sort of feels like a a commentary, of course, like on the rich like being evil, obviously, because they literally make packs with the devil. So it makes sense. Um, I do like how all the people that work for them are like just like bootlickers. They're like super invested in this rich family, even though they have none of their interests in mind, uh, especially I think it's Steven, which is the guy who just keeps coming back from the dead, basically to hunt her down. And he's like, yeah, sir, I got her. And he starts playing the music all loud and he's so happy about himself. And it's like, you just work for them. Like, why are you so invested in this? Like his face is burned. He's got choked out and just Steven just keeps, <laughs> he loves these guys. He loves these rich folks, man. He can't, he can't get enough of it. Uh, and then my last one, I don't remember the character's name, but it's the husband who married in. Um, it's kind of the oh, chubby bitch. dude. Yes. And he yeah. has the, uh, <laughs> I love his, his phone is great in the movie. Cause he Google, he does a YouTube video of how to, it's like me and my crossbow or whatever. He's watching YouTube. <laughs> he's a crossbow. And then later he Googles our packs with the devil real. And it just like stops real or bullshit. Real or bullshit. <laughs> that guy's great. I love every, like I said, I love everybody. In it. And those are just some of my notes on the movie. It's, it's very fun. Very kooky. <laughs> I one of the I did I did want to kind of like touch on um because like you you kind of launched something loose up here and the old noggin um the ritual like so what do we think about like so they talk about how you know obviously like the the ritual works is any other card is pretty much good to go except for hide and seek um which is what you know this movie kind of centers around how do you think like is is the ritual itself like supernatural in other words do you think like the uh what's his name mr labelle is that labelle mr labelle like the um, oh the satan character that we yeah. don't see until the very end yeah i think it's yeah. labelle yeah um is he in control of it like is he influencing that is it pure chance like because there's kind of i don't know like i think there's a bit of a mystery around how the ritual works uh a bit and um, I don't know, like, uh, what did you guys make of the whole thing? I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to, like, influence your how you, you feel about it. But I thought it was an interesting little slant to, to all of this and that it's not just, you know, cut a deck of cards and you're playing, I don't know, Circle of Death where <laughs> never have I ever if you get this and whatever. <laughs> like, there actually is this, like, little weird, like, Hellraiser box. And I personally think that LaBelle does have a hand in it just because he does kind of like give Grace this nod when he very briefly appears at the end. And I'd like to think that Grace was just the only person he thought could actually beat the family at this game. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of where I, where I landed too. And like, like allow him to collect on the deal. Because like it's, it's in his interest to actually be able to collect on their souls or whatever, right? Yeah. She's also way more competent than I, any of them, like, <laughs> as well. I don't know if the family just got dumber with time or what, but, um, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe he's just sick of their bullshit and uh, wants to... Um, there seems to be some, like, uh, divine intervention, too. Like, some of the accidents that happen, like, with that kind of framing in mind, like, you kind of wonder, like, is he influencing some of the... Are these people just idiots? I don't know. I would say that it's probably they just got complacent. They assumed they were never going to have that card again because it hadn't happened in however many years. 30 years. And so they just figured it was they were safe and they didn't have to worry. And then suddenly they're like, ah, crap, I got to like <laughs> go back and practice shooting weapons again. 
you know, or learn how to, uh, as the case may be from YouTube. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I, I would like to think that people were selected based on, to some degree, the skill set they might have had, to, I guess, based on their personality and how determined they were to join the family, because wasn't there, um, was it Charity was the one who was like, I'm not going back to my old life. If you knew where I came from, you know, this is better than the alternative. So I think that I feel like the people that join the family or were in the family were, uh, I would say that any any card that was chosen by them, it was based on their personality. But point. we have no proof. So like I would like to see another one about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do a little prequel action. Like, yeah. Yeah, set in like the 50s or something. That'd be kind of oh, rad. yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, maybe she's like gets the ready or not card, like, because she's not worthy. Like, maybe like people that aren't like the family, like, that's the card that's for them because they don't really like belong, like, in their personality. You know, maybe it's it's the contents of their soul, so to speak. You know, it's a good point. I like that. Yeah, they do make a point whenever they're talking about where they got the box, you know, basically when granddad uh, met Satan on a boat. Uh, <laughs> They were going through like <laughs> this dude loved games. Like all they did was play card games. He gave him this box. It's a game. Everything is a game. The creepy, you know, hide and seek song comes on. Like it's all a game. The devil likes to just play games of chance. Um, so I think he's like, yeah, this is someone who's interesting. Cause like when Finch showed up, he's like, I guess I play old maid because this isn't going to be fun if you, yeah. <laughs> if they have to find you. So don't even worry about it. Uh, so I think it's like, yeah, I think that she interests him in a way. Cause again, they said, um, so Alex is her husband, right? Is the yep. uh, they mentioned that no one has seen Mr. LaBelle, or I'm just gonna call him Satan from now on. No one has seen Satan <laughs> except for him when he was a little kid. Yeah. So again, that's why no one's like, is this even real or not? So yeah, I think the fact that she sees him means that you know he finds her special or something, or just fun. I think he just enjoys her. Uh, also, I like the little touch where they, whenever they do other sacrifices, they're like we, they just sacrifice goats, which of course the goat is a, a sign of the devil in a lot of you know mythology so that's fun that they're just like the barn the minute they open the barn there's nothing but goats i'm like oh well that's the satan stuff right there yeah, that's, <laughs> that's all goats and then that when that little kid comes in and shoots her in the hand and she decks that kid in the face first of all deserved it <laughs> uh, happy he blew up but yeah no i think i just think that he likes to play games and he found her to actually be someone worthy of possibly mm -hmm. doing it because like you said at the end I was thinking, like, why doesn't she blow up? Isn't she part of the family? But I guess technically she wins the game, so she doesn't get the punishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, we've established on this podcast, I'm, I'm not above hurting uh, dangerous children. And uh, when she punched <laughs> that little kid, I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all, all really good insights, guys. Um, that's why I love uh, talking about movies when it's like new to everybody too because you know we're all kind of reacting to it uh, not really in real time but we've had minimal time to process it and i think so we had some, a lot of cool interesting layers and it's just a fun universe to play around in that's i think that was the biggest surprise for me really was like how much lore there was and it does a really good job of like telling you sometimes but showing you other times like a lot of the decorations and things on the walls and, and all that stuff's really cool first of all i just love that uh daniel which is the cool brother right uh is his name Daniel? yes i love yeah. how he gets to die as a hero instead of blowing up at the end uh so i'm like yeah he deserves that he's a, he's a cool dude he doesn't <laughs> first of all wh what a wild way to end it because they were like you know the this other family got punished or this other part of the family got punished it was a fire we just said that so i assume like are they all gonna just like burn up no they explode <laughs> they all explode what a way to end a movie um 
so I'm, I'm happy that he got to like die as a hero and not have to blow up because i mean he was part of the family so that would have sucked for him um and i do love the dad just be like oh tradition is so first of all i love the aunt the crazy aunt she's great oh, yeah. with the crazy white hair she's wonderful uh <laughs> like when <laughs> the girl Becky, gets yeah. shot yeah when the girl gets shot him out the crossbones she keeps gurgling whenever they're trying to oh, talk oh yeah and she's like all right i just gotta cut this girl's head off um <laughs> Don's great but i love how he's like tradition is so important tradition is so important he's like you know what you know back in the day if granddad would have had cameras he definitely used them so i think it's fine that we use them after turning them off and saying like we can't do that granddad wouldn't have done that and he's like you know what this is too much forget it where's the camera turn the cameras on go get guns we don't want these crossbows anymore i thought it was all fun but yeah that's it yeah it's kind of like self-imposed tradition like uh, as far as we know that's not like a condition of like the contest from mr labelle right it's just like they've almost put that handicap on themselves for how they're going to conduct it um maybe because it feels more legit that way i, I don't know of course as it come up comes up against it and they their body uh, account starts stacking up they're like eh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll, we'll we'll just we'll go new school with it instead i think the fact it feels so arbitrary also helps it like it, it makes it less clear if that pact is real or not because it's like okay how much of this is just like stuff their crazy ancestors made up yeah very good point the legitimacy of the uh i don't know the the curse or the 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 pact is kind of in question all the way up to the very end i honestly like could have seen the ending of the movie speaking of which being that like they all just realize that they've been doing horrible shit for however long like years and years <laughs> and years and then it's like living with the shame of like oh wow like <laughs> that's what superstition i get you but now then they just start popping like popcorn <laughs> i feel like that's the better ending because i don't think they would actually feel bad at least not most of them <laughs> no. no probably not in fact they seem like big enough idiots that they'd probably be like you know what like we didn't like blow up this time but this is just mr labelle showing some some mercy we've had a rough night like Next time, you know, we'll, we'll get them next time just to be sure we need to continue the tradition. Yeah, they're not very uh, likable people, even if they are like fun characters. Uh, can we talk about the scene in Will's background? Because that that's the only scene that kind of got me from a grossness standpoint when she has oh. to climb out. She has a hole in her hand and then she has to poke another hole in her hand to actually get out and her screams. That- oh, my God. Yeah, was that the same? Was that the same hole in the hand, or was that like farther down? I didn't quite catch that. I assume that when I saw that nail, I was like, "Oh, her hand's not gonna. It's gonna. It's gonna go on that, yeah. right?" And then yeah. I was like, "Ah, yeah." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw that coming from a mile away. I was like, "I'm like, oh, that's going right in there." Uh, it was a very prominent nail on that board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like, they do a really great close up. Like, they prime you for it. Like maybe what like five seconds before it happens by showing you like reminding you which hand is the wounded one because mm-hmm. she's only climbing up with the you know the unwounded one at first and then she's like well she needs this one to brace herself and get out yeah that, that was uh, that was beautifully done what what it, was it the nail specifically that got you or like the the corpses like getting in like the corpse juice getting into the wounds because that's what was starting to freak marianne out when we were watching it like, oh he's like you're want to flush that man uh, soupy down there <laughs> oh definitely also just like the fact that she i mean it's been a wild night for her to go from being like oh this is my wedding night to oh this is kind of a weird game to oh shit i'm gonna die and i feel like when she falls into the the pit of death is kind of when that's like finally like she fully realizes the situation she's in and has to like basically climb out of her own grave 
and then yeah just like the self-mutilation she has to do to get out too yeah uh, she has a couple rough moments like that too the fence thing was pretty mm-hmm. bad too like i think it was more the sound design than anything yeah. when she's squeezing through that wrought iron fence um because you're hearing her dress rip but also her skin rip yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, being a fully person on a movie must be wicked like it's like this is the sound we need and you just get to fuck around with like you know things to get that effect and like when you nail it you're probably like yeah <laughs> just watch people's faces you know <laughs> to see how they react to the combination of the the images and the sound that would be a great job anyway i digress on that um yeah i i didn't actually until you said that like i I didn't really think about it in the way that she's got like a little preview of like where she might end up if she's not successful like she is like literally crawling out of like the the grave um cool observation did you guys have like a favorite um like death or 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 kill in the movie was there like a particularly like not it doesn't have to be the one that you thought was the grossest i think just like one that you uh got the most satisfaction or something out of Maybe not satisfaction, but I was really surprised by getting crushed by a dumbwaiter. That yeah. was like, wait, this this feels too much like Scream, where uh, <laughs> getting crushed in the garage door. Like, I feel like that would not be that powerful. But you know what? I'll I'll go I'll go along with the ride for that on the story. But still, that was sort of surprising to me. I guess like not being able to like move out of the way in time or get in or get out or whatever, and then just like the sheer force of it but yeah it reminded me of there's a kill like that in halloween h2o uh and and a dumb waiter that's uh it's a lot of fun i think really like any anytime you see um an elevator feature prominently in a horror movie like or a dumb waiter you can that someone's either getting crushed or falling down the shaft or something bad is going to happen the first time she got into it in this movie i was like uh uh-oh I feel like this is coming back around. Like, you know, maybe it's just a hiding place, but I feel like this is going to be used. And of course it was, and was not disappointing at all. Uh, I think most of the gun accidents like were probably my favorite like kills because I don't know, like it's just, it's kind of the Tomb Raider problem where like, if they just show her going like full force, like bloodthirsty, like at the beginning of the movie, maybe like your suspension of disbelief starts to waver a little bit. Whereas like you watch like the first few family members go down kind of at their own hands um and she's tried to escape and it's it's a little more i think oh i don't know like understandable when she starts like really lashing out uh does she actually intentionally kill anybody in the movie and if she kicks the Um, driver until he crashes but like i think she bludgeons becky to death with the box right oh she just killed the mom with the box that's right yeah yeah Yeah. that's right because i was trying to think like where like um Cause like in my mind's eye, like when I realized what this movie was, I was like, oh, she's going to start like turning the tables and like hunting them. And that's not quite what happens, but I think that's like, it's almost more clever the way, <laughs> the way it goes down. Mm-hmm. Not, not related to a death. Well, it is related to a death, but when they are disposing of all the bodies into the pit and they have the one made just the head because the aunt <laughs> cut the head off and they throw the head separately than the body. It's pretty bippy body banging, you know. That's yeah. that's a new phrase I'm going with because that's what that was. It was pretty <laughs> wild. I'm like, oh, you just did this head is separate, it's its own thing. That's gotta go down by itself. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's not related to a death, but I think the one thing that stood out to me was how Stevens like quickly respawned out of nowhere right next to the car when she's when she thought she got away, and then her like discount on star deactivated the car. 
because it got reported stolen and then she's just like on this you know she's out in the middle of the woods or on this you know on the road in the dark there's nobody around and somehow steven's like what you, you got up and got in the trunk or like where <laughs> Like, I had no sense of exactly what had just happened because last time I saw he was on the ground getting left in the dust unless he's just really fast but he, he definitely did a Robert Patrick like Terminator run towards the yeah caught up to it absolutely he's the we T-1000 didn't see it, that's what, yeah that's what happened though yeah for sure also nice. I, I can understand if she's not wanting to like kill anybody but like maiming's on the table right like I kept thinking like run over his legs dude like they're sticking out like just crushes like his little you know femurs into fine dust and then you don't have that problem like even if the OnStar like shuts you down like you're good that on our uh, conversation also very funny oh yeah, yeah. he's like man we don't need the language man we don't need the language here okay all right i'm hanging up now yeah uh relatable to everyone in customer service yeah. <laughs> that and also the the look behind you in the zoom call when she's kicking him i think those are the two funniest moments for me yeah <laughs> Uh, except no delay this time like in scream just look behind you right now yeah what did you guys think of alex's kind of like turn at the end or was it really a turn uh that's maybe one of the few things i felt like they hadn't telegraphed as well i don't know like uh, you could interpret it i suppose as like self-survival like you know or self-preservation maybe he like believes since he's the one that sees mr labelle as a child that like he will die his family will die and it's just sort of he's acting out of self-preservation i don't know um and i feel like it was well telegraphed though like it did come out of left field a little bit for me i felt like his brother's sort of turn was the more interesting and exciting of the two like or maybe just better executed but um i don't know i mean because from the beginning he's like hey we don't have to get married we can just run away he like multiple times is like yeah we can just leave here and not do this and then he tries to help her but then yeah he sees his mom get murdered and apparently that's like he can't handle that he's like i gotta protect my family now and just completely turns on her again i'm with you i liked his brother's um because the only reason his brother did is because he knows his dad is watching him he's like really trying to help her he's like well you know like he goes and poisons the family and all of that. So I like him much better as a character. Alex, you think he's a good guy. And then all of a sudden he's just not. And I guess it's because the conversation he had with his mom and then she's dead. Yeah. It's like it flips it on his head a little bit. Like cause his, his uh, older brother is the one like Alex is the one that uh, is hiding in the beginning, like the prologue. Mm-hmm. And Daniel's the one that like uh, narks on um, uh, auntie, whatever, like auntie silver hair. Uh, she's now known. Her, uh, her, uh, groom, you know, groomsman or groom, I guess. Hey, I, I actually did like that. It was, it wasn't just brides. I felt like that would have been kind of, uh, I don't know, boring, like from a Lord perspective, I like that. It's just like anybody that, you know, marries into the family, um, was kind of a, a aspect. In other words, you know, like it's kind of old hat, like to just like lure, like, I don't know, pretty young women into like a mansion to, do nefarious things like yeah, yeah. so it's a little uh, overdone yeah <laughs> just a bit my thing with alex is like i was initially only a little surprised because after the conversation with his mom and then seeing her like bludgeoned to death by his new wife i was like yeah that's going to be a tough moment even for the best of people um but i thought about it more and i'm like i i think it really is just showing his true nature because he he claims he tries to like separate himself from the family as much as possible in his head and like 
you know, claims he's giving her an out. But he should just insist on not doing the wedding, knowing what it's going to lead to. Like, trying to give someone a choice without telling them what the... <laughs> <laughs> what what one option means isn't actually a choice. So I think he's just deeply hypocritical and not actually better than any of them. So I liked that ending personally for him. I agree. I think that he had plenty of opportunities leading up to it to give at least a heads up about what she was getting into. Like, hey, by the way, this is going to sound crazy, but <laughs> I just forewarned, like, this is why I'm giving you the out or maybe prepare beforehand on how you might be able to, you know, survive or get, well, I guess maybe not that, because it had to end one way or the other, right? So. Yeah. And he admits that the reason he didn't was because she would obviously leave him if she knew. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just think he's a selfish fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, true. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're not wrong. You are... <laughs> <laughs> Who also can't get, like, um, who can't break that that very strong bed frame to get out of the handcuffs that he was into but... it's made of mahogany apparently <laughs> strong. <laughs> i feel like your wrist would be pretty raw like trying to to do yeah. that and a lot of friction on your wrist too you know that's whenever i see that like kind of rubbing action i'm like that, that's going more than one way there like that's not just the <laughs> chain that's rubbing oh i do love the suit up moment by the way where she tears her dress puts on some converses instead of heels and has the bandolier even though i love he's like that's a display that gun is not real <laughs> why would yeah. we put a real gun in here for you to use but <laughs> yeah. i do love how she gets to like suit up in a way i'm like yeah because running around in heels i know bryce dallas howard did it for dinosaurs but it, it seems very difficult to run in a horror movie in heels the whole movie so i thought that was pretty cool yeah it's a great little fake out because like that's what the moment where i'm like oh here we go now she's gonna like start like you know turning the tables and then it's like the it just dry fires it's like oh uh anything to add on ready or not uh before we get to our little interlude here i'm excited to see what card adam's gonna get that better not so, be hide and seek <laughs> yeah hide and seek so just to be clear this wasn't like a prequel to succession right like that's we're we're, we're good on that part <laughs> I, I like to think that like canonically like they're fan they're um uh, they're friends with the Roy family, you know, like <laughs> it seems like the type of people I was. It's funny that you say that. I was thinking that watching uh, this is like, yeah, this is kind of like the Roy family a little bit, um, maybe a little more functional than the Roy family, honestly, but yeah. Better with firearms or less, not as good with firearms in this one, I'm assuming, but <laughs> no, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> um adam i will read you your prompt i'm doing a little shuffle now in tabletop simulator i'll read you your prompt and uh usually we've had enough time to go around the table but um that'll depend on how passionate you feel about it ah all right so your prompt or i should say the card is monster mash and your prompt is Talk about your favorite on-screen monster, which we define as non-human and malevolent. So it has to be a malevolent monster. Are we talking about just favorite overall, favorite design? There's different ways I could take it, I suppose. Yeah, however you choose to uh, define it. Like, we're not going to hold you to, uh, you know, some some crazy standard down the road. If you yeah. tweet out, like, in six months, oh, you know what my favorite monster is? We're like, wait a minute, uh-uh. No. Uh, yeah, however you want to define that, it's totally fine. Yeah. God, there's so many good ones. I'm trying to think of something Cthulhu-inspired because all the tentacles are always creepy and weird. I'm just going to go with kind of staying on along the action horror genre. I love the design of the Predator. Predator's a great design. Fantastic. 
that big buff dude with dreads killing all the animals on the different planets. I'm all about it, especially, you know, uh, there's different uh, designs to them now. They look a little different depending on which movie you're watching. All the gear and the outfit, and you're like, is a humanoid? And it takes off the mask and it obviously has the mandibles. And it's a really, it's a really fun sci-fi design. So I'm going to go ahead and say that even though there's probably other creepier things I can think of, this is the first thing that popped to mind because, boy, I love watching Predator move around and kill people. It's great. Yeah, I mean, the Predator is amazing and it's evolved, you know, over time. Um, uh, like, I love the, like... I guess it's not really evolution. It's more like a step on the evolution and prey, but like the, 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 uh, what do they call it? The, not the rabid predator, but feral, the feral predator design mm-hmm. was really, really cool. Um, yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite predator design of the predator movies? Like the one that you like the most? The prey, the prey predator is pretty cool. I will say just because we get an action figure Saturday morning variety uh, in predators. Where yeah. it's just like, here's the three, here's the three big ones. The OGs hanging up there, but we got three new guys and they're all big now. I've got their own little, little quirks to them. So I like that. Uh, I like that movie a lot, as you know, Chris. So I'm going to say those three guys are pretty cool. Cool, man. Yeah, no, th- that was neat. The, I forget what they were called, like super predators or something, but mm-hmm. yeah, that was a lot of fun. They had like the little pack of dogs too. Like, you know, come on, yeah. like. Gotta, gotta love those uh and they've all got names again i'm sure that there's action figure toys somewhere where it's like razor hawk and it's the guy <laughs> who had the little i know that they do have names i know one of them had the little drone that something hawk or something's in his name so yeah i like predators they're cool and dreads choice. you know dreads are never bad good choice my man uh do you still have your little predator mask somewhere I do. It's in storage because I just moved, but I do have my predator mask hanging out. <laughs> no worries. I just I just wanted to make sure that thing was hanging around and still okay. Yeah, it's good. All right. Um, Will, I'm gonna go to you next. What's your uh, what's your favorite uh, on screen monster? Well, I definitely have to I have to chime in with uh, Adam about the predator. That I think one of the really cool things too about predator is the fact that not only is he just not only are they terrifying when you do see them, but it's the fear of not seeing them up until that point too as we will discuss in the second film slated for this podcast uh that it's terrifying what you don't see or that you think is there but you're not entirely sure but for me i'd have to go with the xenomorph from alien not just because there's the overlap with predator but also because i feel like alien 3 was probably one of the films that i thought in terms of the gore factor just got me when I was younger and saw it the first time and i thought it was creepy and great because of that um and uh, not to discount the two became that came before it, whether we're talking the action fest that was aliens or the classic, you know, scary for what you couldn't see in the original alien. But I think alien three in terms of like the gore factor and the jumps and the creature design, I thought was interesting. So I'm going to have to go with that one. Nice. That was our first quadrupedal uh, version. That's where like kind of like canonically we learned that whatever the host creature is for like the face hugger was like kind of the form that the alien would take, which is a really neat concept that, you know, it mm-hmm. uh, can kind of slightly evolve depending on who plays host to it. I'm an apologist for uh, alien three. I, I think that's like a unsung, like, you know, not perfect movie, but I think it's an unsung classic, like in a lot of ways and has some of the most beautiful cinematography and it doesn't always come together, but I, I, I stand by that as being an excellent movie. And I know I'm like kind of in the minority, but I don't care. 
I, I agree with you though and also may i apologize that a dog does not turn out okay in that film definitely not in a <laughs> lot of very graphic <laughs> yeah not just watch the, assemb the assembly cut like, say it depends on which version right yeah it's a cow or it's a dog one of the two watch oh the cow. <laughs> what oh man i gotta see that cut <laughs> what and that brings us to may finch um what's your favorite on-screen monster yeah, so I haven't watched a ton of monster movies in terms of like what horror I, I like, which is ironic because I think I pitched this category of card, but <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to go with my first monster, actually, uh, which is the Babadook. I think partly just because even though it is this kind of supernatural non-human entity, it is very much tied to the mental state and emotions of the the characters um and is more of just kind of a warning sign that things are getting very bad and going very wrong um in addition to having its own kind of influence and i think that idea is scarier than something that just has its own agenda in certain ways yeah i think freaked me the fuck out the first time i saw that uh long tall skinny things and also like... just looks like you know your your standard uh what do you call it like nightmare demon or whatever um like a sleep paralysis kinda, yeah yeah <laughs> oh, yeah um i think that's a great design um I, it's been a while since i've seen that i need to go back and see it again i saw i saw it in the theaters and uh i positively loved it and specifically the the design of the creature i thought was so sort of unique in the whole aesthetic of that movie um of course is was uh just fabulous so love that question pick. Because I haven't seen Babadook. I know what it's about and I've seen the creature. Am I wrong? Isn't it like animated weird? Isn't it like, doesn't it appear like stop motion-ish even? Or am I wrong? I might be thinking about something else. It's but been I'm a long time since I've seen it. I feel like it. it moves really, really weird. And that's what people were unsettled by. But I also haven't seen the movie, so I can't speak to it. Uh, it does move very strangely. It's not animated though. Um, I, I guess it could be kind of stop motion-esque just in its like erratic movement. Mm -hmm. Oh man, this is going to be one that's like very hard for me to um pick so let me look at our definition again to see if this is gonna um fall into it non-human and bad uh, i know but what if it's like a hybrid <laughs> hybrids count you know something that what used to be human and still has some human elements does that count it's not 100 percent human so i'd say so all right uh medusa from clash of the titans is like one of my favorite like creature designs nice. ever nice I'm going to add it to my Harryhausen shelf back there. Um, so hopefully by the holidays, the, the same company just is finally doing a Medusa figure. Um, scared the shit out of me. I think it's just a great like fantasy, um, you know, film and a, a beautifully constructed, like suspenseful scene within that. Like it's not like the rest of the, the film, but you know, she's kind of stalking Perseus through this dark, you know room and there's pillars and i just i love the individual snakes in the hair the bow and arrow was always just so fucking badass that she had a quiver of arrows on her back um yeah i just and harry housen's just like one of my all-time favorites again i have a whole shelf of figures behind me um because i just i love his work but medusa in particular has got to be my favorite she's the queen and the fact that she can kill you even after she's dead, you know, I think just makes it all the, the more scary. You can cut her head off <laughs> and it can still turn you to stone. The blood can still poison you. It's good times. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for for sharing your favorite monsters. I'm glad we got to, to do that card before uh, we're bringing Screen Quest to a close because I, I was actually quite curious to see uh, what, your, what your picks are going to be.
All right, so uh, let's let's go ahead and transition over to the Invisible Man, which is um, our second film of the show for Good for Her. Same thing. We'll start with general impressions, and then we'll kind of go from there. So, Adam, my guy, uh, had you seen this movie before, and what did you think? Uh, I had not seen the movie before. Someone had offered to take me, and I said, no, thank you. I don't want to do that right now uh because again i didn't know what kind of horror movie it would be so i was like i'm not gonna chance it but afterwards like oh, i probably gonna watch that uh either way no it's my first time seeing it um i like it a lot i will go more in depth over on my notes but i'll just say like excellent use of like the space like the silence panic slowly painting over to empty spots is there something there is there no all of that is i think that's all designed like perfectly um so i think it's a very very good version of the movie and the way that they do the monster quote unquote also very cool. I like that that different take on it. And I was like, yeah, I get that. Um, I've seen that idea in other things before, but seeing that come in this movie and that being the the whole twist on The Invisible Man, very cool. So I enjoyed it as well. I think it was very well directed and made. It's just, again, like I said, use of sound and use of like empty space or is it empty space is all very, very cool. Uh, I also really liked it. I thought that from a horror perspective, the idea behind it, like grounded in an abusive relationship a toxic relationship this stalker character controlling character who wants to use this technology for that reason i thought in some ways was sort of an evolution of the kevin bacon hollow man um invisible man movie that came out where it was sort of the same thing it was very like he would do weird sexual stuff in that film which was very off-putting but it was sort of in keeping with like the weird ego behind the person who had the power to become invisible so it sort of seemed like that made sense to have a film like this particularly now I think with everything going on with social commentary but also just the way it's executed I think is excellent and what you were saying to Adam about the spacing like when people are you have like these really big open shots where characters can uh either seem in like the feeling of feeling like the feeling of being insignificant or being trapped or um the uncertainty about what exactly is there is there anything there are you alone are you being watched um I think all of that contributed to a very well done atmosphere that just sort of reinforced the dread that you're trying to understand you know how how we're going to get out of it how it's going to turn out in the end again kind of an idea based on the prompt but still you're just like how is how is our protagonist going to make it out of this and you you're not really sure like how far it's going, like how bad it's going to get until she does and so i think that that without going into too much detail just yet i just i really i thought it was very well done uh i loved this movie it was thrilling and heartbreaking at times cecilia says something about how uh with with adrian like this is what he does he makes you feel like you're the crazy one and kind of goes on this rant that for me rings very true of like how people unfortunately often react to victims of domestic violence and victims of stalking and that kind of thing and the way that the movie layers that with the like kind of sci-fi paranormal trope of like oh yeah the authorities never believe you that these crazy impossible things are happening was really well done um, I really liked how those two themes kind of complemented each other and made the story feel uh, that much more high stakes. And of course, Elizabeth Moss is Elizabeth Moss is amazing. 
Yeah, I um I agree with everything that everyone said. Um, I remember watching this over the pandemic, like early days of the pandemic, where you you know entertainment suddenly was like the most crucial thing in your life. You're like, all right, at least I've got a lot of this I can catch up on <laughs> and watch and. Uh, I knew within like the first ooh, five minutes of this movie that I was watching something really special. I think the opening of this film is as good as some movies like climaxes and you don't have, you know, uh, presumably like if you're like me and you came in completely blind, like I hadn't seen trailers for this either. Uh, you have almost no background and they do so much with setting up that tension. And then the suspense for that whole entire escape is just masterclass. Uh, there's no, you know, dialogue other than between her and Zeus. Um, and it already feels like the stakes are so high. You're like, I don't know. I don't get all this exactly. I don't know exactly what's happened, but fucking get, get out of there. Get out of there. You know, like, it's just uh, like, I was like screaming um, at my television uh, before it even hit like the 15 minute mark the first time I saw this. But I think, yeah, definitely the social commentary aspect of it. And just the way it smartly updates the story to uh, deal with like themes that are topical uh, in a way, but also sort of like timeless, right? Like abusive relationships and gaslighting and things like that. Uh, it's, that's just smart. It's a smart movie from start to finish. And uh, I love it. I think it's a modern masterpiece of horror and suspense thrillers. You know, I, I you could probably make the argument it's closer to like a suspense thriller than, than horror, but um, you know, that's just kind of splitting hairs, I suppose. Uh, before I get to my actual thought, I'll get in my notes. Cause you know, I keep notes. I've made a, I made that reference twice now. How lucky were we that this wasn't part of the universal dark universe, whatever so nonsense lucky. was supposed to happen. Uh, thank God that mummy movie did so bad because this would have been part of that and it would have been very different. So uh, thank you, Tom Cruise movie for failing. So we can actually get a, a very good movie instead of whatever that I'm sure it would have been, you know, Johnny Depp was invisible and beat someone up or something awful. I don't know what that would have been. Uh, oh, God. And it would have aged like milk. Yeah. I forgot who he was supposed to be. Oh, yeah. Right. I didn't think about that. Who was he supposed to Whoops. be? Do you remember the, the black and white picture of all of them of the Universal Dark? I do remember um, the photo, but yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember who was supposed to be invisible, man. I don't I think I don't remember who was, who was what. But uh, yeah, that was the thing. Uh, so I just got some, some notes, uh, again, like I said, great use of silence. I love how this, especially like you're talking about that beginning, like it is dead quiet. There's like no score, no nothing. You can barely hear the noise outside and you're like, what is going And again, you don't know what's going on. So it gets so quiet so often, even when nothing bad's going to happen. And then sometimes it's quiet and something bad does happen. Uh, which is, uh, which is great. And again, the slowly moving the camera around, it's like, is this, is this the guy's point of view? Is this he's over in that corner is this nothing at all um that's great so i in my first time watching this is the only time i had to rewind it because i was like oh something's happening here so in the in the kitchen scene when there's the fire and the bacon and all the eggs go up right i rewound it because i was like wait what's going on here I'm like clearly something happened but like what happened so as she puts the knife down and she goes to the door i'm talking two seconds later the knife disappears underneath the table like he literally picks it up under the table. And then if you pay attention, you can barely see the knob turn as he turns it all the way up. I'm like, this dude was standing behind her as she was cooking just to mess with her. Um, just like, oh, what a what a terrifying thing. Like he was literally probably breathing down her neck. Um, again, I would have, if I was seeing this in theater, I would have missed that. I wouldn't have had the, uh, the ability to go backwards and see that. So that's cool. Again, I love it. The tech suit, 
because again, I play a lot of video games and stuff, and I've, I'm sure there's a, a suit like this in Metal Gear <laughs> where it's a bunch of cameras on it and it shows the, the picture on the back. I love that design; it's really cool. Um, and then the whole idea with him like gaslighting again, making her seem like she's crazy, and everyone doesn't believe her when he knows he's doing it. Especially like with the with the sheet, whenever she's sleeping in the bed with uh, the daughter. And, you know, like she's, she knows something's going on. And I love how we see the flash of the camera. We don't know it's flash of the camera yet. And she throws the sheet on the, on the chair. It's like, he's definitely on the chair. No, he's not. And then she's pulling it away and then he steps on it. I'm like, come on. He's great. Love it. Um, <laughs> also the guy in the hospital, the first time they go to the hospital, she's been drugged with the thing that she tried to drug him with. Uh, and there's just a guy in a gurney with a bunch of bandages on his face, which of course is a callback to the original visible man who would put bandages on his face so people could see him. Fun stuff. That's all my notes, though. After that, I just started watching the movie. So <laughs> great, man. It's a good yeah. sign if it pulled you in away from your note taking. One hundred percent agree. I think um, uh, the film starts out going hundred miles per hour, as we've talked about with uh, the opening escape, but just the slow dread that builds as you see that he is systematically alienating her from what few friends she's managed to reconnect with. Was for me like one of the most stressful parts of the film, especially um, when James is torn between, you know, protecting his daughter and helping Cecilia and makes the understandable choice of just getting out of there with his daughter. Um, and just well, watching the way that breaks her face. Definitely a pivotal moment because, like, he is kind of like her biggest champion at that point. He's been looking after her, cheering her on to get reacclimating, reacclimated, I should say. And it's just like, yeah, that's that's a pretty pivotal moment. Um, I'll have to throw the the shutter logo logo over uh, Will's face uh, one more time, but I got to bring up the hundred one scariest movie moments uh, show again for a moment because. This uh, this made it into the top 101, and it was specifically the dinner scene uh, mm, with her sister. Yeah. What did you guys think of that? Man, that fucking floored me the first time. I think Marianne and I both uh, audibly gasped the first time we watched this movie. <laughs> like, oh, shit. Did you see that coming at all? Did you think something bad was going to happen there? Not at all. In fact, I had two thoughts. When the knife started floating and the sister looked at it, I was like, oh, good. Now she knows. And then <laughs> slice. <laughs> And I was like, oh, well, doesn't matter. I think it's just, it's a great bit of like shocking um, escalation because there's the shock of like, oh my God, he's just killed her sister. And when the knife goes flying into her hand and you realize like what the whole plan is, you're like, oh, fuck, how's she getting out of this? Like, you know, even if you, she drops it immediately, like there's no one on the planet's going to believe that she didn't just do that. And it, I feel like he's been setting stuff up like that. Like when she first goes in the attic, well, she calls his phone and goes in the attic. And of course, that's where we get the cool moment where she dumps the paint on him and we see the suit. Like he has the knife in a bag up there already. He's got all her stuff up there as he's been messing with her the whole time. So like this guy, he's a plotter. He's got it all figured out from jump. Um, yeah, what a what a wild scene to come out of nowhere. She'd be like, you know, and what are you going to do? Exactly, you said no one believes that there's a dude with a suit that turns him invisible. Like, why would anyone believe that? That's ridiculous. And yeah, she's just kind of stuck in that situation at that point. And again, just because he's in control. He wants to let her know I'm in control of everything at all times. I was thinking this time around, because this is my second pass with the movie. Um, what a brilliant bit of writing that, uh, aside from really like the end of the movie and just a tiny bit at the beginning, like 
Adrian is a character that you don't really like see. He doesn't talk or interact in any meaningful way with any of the characters, but his presence is like felt so strongly from the dialogue that, um, you know, Cecilia delivers. And then obviously like the, you know, the actions as like the invisible man. But um, I thought it was just a brilliant bit of writing because you, this guy is formidable and it comes across in a really unconventional way. Um, so in other words, like this movie could have easily had 30 minutes of prologue of like setting up the fact that he's abusive and like watching him do all this stuff to her, like and, like seeing him kind of in action, I guess, for lack of a better word. But it, it chooses not to do that. It's like she escapes and then, you know, you sort of you see it kind of unfold um, throughout the rest of the movie and uh, escalate, which I thought was just kind of cool. Yeah. All you need to know is that she's terrified. And then whenever she gets in her sister's car and he comes running out of the woods and just goes straight through the window to grab her, it's like, oh, that's all you need. You know that this dude's dangerous. That's all you need to see. That's all you need. Yeah, it's almost like the opening of Dawn of the Dead or something, like the, the fast zombie one where he just like goes ham immediately, you know, on the window. I, I also appreciated that. Unfortunately, from personal experience, I can say that's also just kind of what stalking feels like is because it's, it's, it's one-way interaction, right? And so you have this, fear and impression of someone being around and watching when you're not even sure if they are or not really um and it's just kind of overshadowing reach so i really appreciated how they framed that and also that um like it's obvious as the film goes on that cecilia like is right she knows that adrian is still alive and invisible and all that but it it also shows that she is traumatized and dealing with some ptsd especially when she first escapes and like she doesn't have to be a hundred percent okay. Yeah, the the jogger scene, it, I feel like, is a really uh, well done kind of um, portrayal of what where she's at. She goes to get the mail, and the the jogger comes running down uh, the street, and I was kind of right there with her a little. Not that I really thought it was him, but I, I could understand, you know, like reacting in that way, and. Um, I think that it's kind of it's complemented by him running towards the car, you know, in that opening scene a little bit, like you can kind of see the physicality um, and all that. But I think that's a great point, though, like Elizabeth Moss selling the fear, Adam, like, like how terrified she is, like kind of tells you all you need to know as an audience member. And if she's not able to sell it, then maybe it doesn't work as well. So it's a good bit of acting. Yeah, because I think Jameson says after that scene is like, hey, you get out to the, you get as far as you've ever been. It's like you walk into the moon, basically. He's like, it's been rough, but hey, you're starting to make some progress. And he sees that and appreciates, you know, it's not giving her a hard time about it. So yeah, that, that whole scene set up pretty well. I think to some extent too, I mean, we understand sort of the stakes that are involved, but at the same time, as an audience, you're sort of shown the, the unfortunate perspective of a lot of people that are survivors of abuse that you don't know what they've gone through leading up to it you only have their word for it and so we don't see exactly what he's done unfortunately you don't see adrian or hear him up until really up until the very end and even then it's not the adrian that she's been escaping from to the same degree like the violent side just more of the controlling of it and you hear i guess a couple bits and pieces when he's in the suit maybe toward the end but i thought that just not having known it not having shown it was also um, important for what it was saying to from that aspect of an abusive relationship um, so that it reinforced just that idea that 
somebody might look at that and be like, well, you know, I, we don't have, we haven't seen the full picture. And so there's always that little bit of ambiguity that's in there to sort of undermine it, unfortunately. Yeah, a lot of the horror of this film comes from the unwillingness to believe her or maybe the uh, disbelief that it could be as bad as, as she's describing, right? Like, you know, um, I think that's where like the true terror of this movie lies. I mean, the, the Invisible Man stuff is really scary, but it's her being isolated uh, methodically from all the loved ones uh, ending up in an asylum, you know, with like, presumably no escape. And then just the twist of, oh, by the way, you're pregnant with a with a baby that you don't want. And um, here's an escape clause. You can go back to this terrible life uh, if you just agree to go back to him and have the baby. It's just, it's so fucking nefarious that like, just like, ugh, like stomach turning in a way. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about the kind of the, the reveal that his brother's been colluding and then like you know has been in the suit at times or maybe just the the one time uh did you see that twist coming um what what did you think uh i i, I think I, I may be mistaken the first time i watched this i was like oh is it just been like the brother is this like a revenge thing like when it's revealed that he's the one in the suit like is that where the twist is gonna be is that it's not actually adrian it's like the brother's been trying to like get back at her and Adrian really is dead. Um, but yeah, uh, what was your reaction to, to sort of that, that part of it? Like having the involvement of like almost like a scream esque reveal of like, there's two of them kind of thing. I think it made a lot more sense for how they had planned everything out because I felt like for the amount of time that supposedly Adrian was just always present or implied to be present, that it seemed almost too, I don't know that he was so obsessed that he was constantly around her that how would he have been able to do some of the other things that happened like hiding her things in the attic or being able to get from one place to another or I don't know just do things in your daily life that you would normally do like eat and sleep and you know so I I guess to know that it was two people um it seemed to make it it seemed to make more sense to me logically from a story perspective that he would they would have been able to have accomplished what they did in the film so whenever he shows uh when tom the brother shows uh the pictures of uh adrian dead those are just pictures he has right like that was never shown like by the police or anything so makes sense mm-hmm. there that he's they're setting her up uh, but then also i love the moment he has when he's like trying to when she comes to him, he's like, he's not dead. You know, he's, he's following me around and he's uh, it's kind of a messed up thing to do. But he's like, Hey, I understand he's controlling. I, he was controlling me before he controlled you. He senses weakness in people and takes advantage. So I understand more than anybody. So he's like, I'm on your side, but also I'm also being controlled by my brother at the same time to do this thing to you, which is like, that's kind of a, that's kind of messed up too, ain't it? It's pretty, pretty messed up thing to do to somebody where like, yeah, I don't know how often he's in the suit. It might just be the last time, but again, he's, he very much knows what it is. And he even tries to like, he's like, I understand you. He does it to me and he's doing it to me right now and we're doing it to you. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a weird thing to look back on. Like, oh yeah, these guys were always in on it. It's, it's bone chilling too. Like the second time around when they're in the uh, reading of the will and he's like, Oh, he's in the room right now. And he like glances over and like, you get the impression that like, that's a literal, like he probably is in the room, like in the suit, like watching all this go down. 
it's not something I caught the first time, but certainly the second time I was like, oh, like that's kind of fucking already like unsettling a little bit. Yeah, but a great point though, like kind of the cycle of abuse isn't like, you know, just been with Cecilia. It's It's been with him and it, it kind of throws as an audience member, you're like, oh, maybe he's not so bad. You know, he's he does get it. Like he's maybe one of the few people who does get it the same way she does. And of course, like things go where they go. And I think I started to wonder it after he comes clean with her in the asylum and is like, yes, Adrian is alive and he just wants you to sign, you know, X, Y, Z. And he just, he seemed overly invested in it. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, uh, this, this guy is in deeper than, than he's letting on. Um, didn't necessarily expect him to be in the suit based off of that, but I, I figured there was more at play there. Um, I also feel like, I don't know, I'd also be more suspicious about the fact that he remained as, like, the lawyer for the trust. I don't know if that's, like, an obligation you can, like, transfer to a different lawyer after someone dies or what. But if I had been abused by, like, a sibling and they were dead, I'd get the hell away from anything to do with them. Yeah, speaking of uh, sort of the the final confrontation like or like discussion between the two of them i love like it's like where you like really you see a fierceness i I think that like is largely remaining under the surface at this point where she's like you're just like the jellyfish version of your brother you know like no spine uh i don't know i just loved it man because i was like fuck yeah like get them like you know there's what do you have to lose like you're literally like in an asylum right now like framed for murder like so what do you have to lose it was great uh well why don't we uh I, talk about like the finale like the denouement so obviously like um she gets uh tom and uh is sort of vindicated in her fears of what's been going on and and seemingly goes back to uh to adrian uh who has been supposedly kidnapped and unaware of what's been happening while he's been trapped in his basement and of course there's a very fateful uh, dinner that takes place between the two of them i think is for me such a gratifying scene but i wanted to get your thoughts on it i was kind of left wondering if she was the one in the suit initially and then when she said surprise i was like okay it was her she didn't like have an accomplice um but yeah, no, I um, uh, I was actually I was very stressed out when he came over to talk to her, uh, as they were kind of arguing, and she had started crying. Uh, just like, uh, I just I, I felt like physically repulsed as he put his hand on her knee, um, and so yeah, that was that was kind of like nail biting. And then when she leaves to go to the bathroom and he doesn't try to stop her or anything, I kind of had a sense something was going to go down. And then, yeah, when she whispers surprise at the end, it was just like, okay, you did it. You did it, girl. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say it was very satisfying because it, because it seemed like there was no other way. I guess you you sort of were hoping that maybe he might admit it, but you know that his care just based on his character as we know him that he's not going to and so the only way out of it was to off him you know that was that was the only way to stop it and I'm kind of curious though because if he was presumed well I guess he was they found out that he wasn't really dead so that was sort of a weird thing but it's sort of like yeah so he's died by suicide twice technically now you know the first time <laughs> he supposedly died and it was framed and then, then he finally does but 
I mean, just the the fact that there is security camera footage that it does, you know, for all intents and purposes, look like it. Um, yeah, just the way that she did that and set it up and knew how to position it right. It was like, yes, you you have you have beaten him at his own game. Uh, but yeah, after what happened to her sister, man, like, yeah, hell yeah. Like, it was so vindicating. I felt like just from having to watch all of the, the garbage that she had to deal with. Yeah, no, I just like how she pulls a him on him. That That's my favorite thing. It's like everything that this dude's been doing to you, let's go ahead and get this over with. And yeah, that, that's a great, you, you, again, I know we're, we're doing, you know, good for her, but it is awesome when, you know, you get the revenge and the retribution that you're looking for. So yeah, I like that whole ending scene. Um, yeah, very good. Again, I think this movie is excellent in basically everything it does. So the, the uh, ending did not disappoint me. Oh, I was just going to add, I, I think James, like his character is just like an amazing person throughout. But at the end when he's just like, you know what? Yeah, that, that was a suicide. <laughs> 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 he was like, my guy. <laughs> too because like, I feel like he he sort of doubted her like throughout the, the movie, but wanted, like, you know, she supported her, but doubted her as well. And I think it's like, almost his way of saying like i don't know that i fully believe you but i'm gonna trust you you know like and it's it's nice to see that yeah like he places a trust back in her of like this is the way that this needed to be like resolved and yes he didn't admit to doing it but like okay uh it's poetic like adam said he uh she turns the tables there's a little bit of like the you know manipulation of appearing to be like this wounded you know crying um wilting flower that she's been you know up to this point so he doesn't see it coming and then to the thing that really always like gets me about that too is like the reveal you know the uh surprise um she wants him to know and there's not like a thing he can do about it it's just so satisfying uh, similarly to uh, Midsummer, we get that nice close up on her face at the end. And instead of like a crazy smile, we get just kind of a sigh of relief and it cuts to black, which I think is just it's a nice um, ending. She's liberated. Um, she can, for the first time in her life, go uh, live and feel serenity, you know, and safety uh, because like he's dead. There, there is no nothing to worry about as far as he's, you know, or she's concerned about him. So. So what do we think about the kid? Do you think that she'll keep the kid? Do you think that no, there's I, any sort of... You know, I'd like to think she's already aborted the thing before she yeah. uh, even goes over to his place. And it's just like the MacGuffin that she uses to get in and have dinner with him. But that's just me. Yeah. I have no idea. No, I don't think she'd want that child at all. Yeah, I mean, she mentions at the very beginning... And I, I do love that closet... Uh, just sets up everything in the whole movie because everything is in that closet that comes up later where I'd leave her, her birth controls in that closet originally. And she was like, yeah, whenever she's first talking, when she first, you know, gets free, she's like, yeah, he controlled everything. He did this, he did that. And it was like, I, he wanted a kid and I was on birth control and I could only do that for so long. And that's when I decided to leave. So like, there's, there's no way, like that was the reason she left was because like, that was the final thing that he was going to do. So I don't know. There's no way. I feel like probably not, but also now that he's dead, she might keep it because it now is more of a personal, just a, do you want a kid or not decision and less of a, do you want this uh, bargaining chip and <laughs> Adrian's plans? 
Yeah, that's true. They don't really establish that she doesn't want kids, just not his kid, which is like understandable. I don't know. Yeah, I I think I just I'm firmly in the camp of like no mementos. Like, seems like it might be hard to move on with your life if you got like this constant living reminder of the, the person that had like you know was responsible for like the worst thing experience in your life. But, you did keep the soup though, right? Yeah. 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 It really happens to. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It comes in handy, dude. There we go. Yeah, that comes in handy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you got someone's throat. Put that bad boy on real quick. You're good to go. Yeah, you can sneak into all kinds of sporting events, movies. <laughs> like you know, you have to use it for truly nefarious purposes. Like just practically, it's uh, it's not bad. Free movie tickets. Yeah, that's a good use of a five million dollar suit. Go for it. She's <laughs> 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 like, listen. Do you know how much I've saved this year? Like. Top Gun Maverick, seen it ten times, never paid a dime. <laughs> yeah, it was great. <laughs> Been on all the roller coasters. <laughs> Can I just say, with the suit, I do really appreciate the way it was designed to be like kind of almost realistic with all the cameras and screens embedded, so it's just kind of like live updating a feed. And the fact that he's a camera guy also kind of feeds into the surveillance. Anyway, I just I just loved the costume design there. Oh, the suits? Like I said, I watch sci-fi and play games, but there's very much uh, I don't remember this movie's a game, but like, yeah, there's like a spy plane. It's like it's got a bunch of cameras on the bottom of it, or on the yeah, on the bottom of it, or the top, whatever, to reflect the opposite. So it's like, so I've seen that, you know, idea before. And especially again, when she pours the paint on him, and it starts making like chittering noises, you're like, oh, is this thing a monster? But it's like, no, it's all the cameras like freaking out because there's, you know, they got paint on them and they can't reflect the backside so i i do love how instead of doing the the classic invisible man like it's a monster and he did an experiment and whatever it's like oh no this dude made like this really really cool suit it just looks cool when you get stuff on it because it's just like a bunch of little looks like Mm -hmm. a golf ball suit basically yes Um, that's what i thought when she threw the white paint on him (laughs) i was like wait (laughs) is this a golf ball monster (laughs) yeah and uh yeah i'm with you the suit is awesome especially because they're just like yo Here's a tech thing, but also, how big is he? He's a big boy in that suit, ain't he? <laughs> I got like seven feet tall. He's a big boy in that suit. I think yeah. my only nitpick with the suit was when she poured the paint on him, and he got all that paint off real fast. So I'm like, fast. there's no way that's all just in the sink in like two seconds. Like, no. And those cameras, <laughs> like, I don't feel like would be functioning either. Like, yeah. even if you dunked your head like in the sink, like, would be water like everywhere. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. But it does make the action scenes cool. I, I mm-hmm. again, because he's invisible, we yeah. just get to see her reacting to nothing. But like, there's a physical, there's a physicality behind it. Like, oh, you're just being picked up in the air, and like when she smashes plates on the dude's head, like there's just stuff shattering over the place. We don't see the point of impact. So like, I I like the whole idea of an invisible suit. It's cool. Mm-hmm. I feel like wasn't that like one of the abilities in Crisis? Like it kind of reminded me of Crisis a little bit. The nano suit does, and yeah, nano suit does that. Yeah, you reflect whatever's behind you. Yeah, it looks really cool. Um, especially when she finds it and she when she finds the one in the basement and deactivates it, and you see it like it slowly starting all the little hexagons kind of popping up. Mm. Oh, God, I, I love that suit so much. It's great. They like the suit. Yeah. Like it's just it's great. It's a fantastic design. Thank God it was not with Johnny Depp in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna look that up while we're talking who was supposed to be invisible man i just i'm really curious now i'm sorry guys 
Uh, yeah, so you can put this in or cut it out, whatever. So Dr. Jekyll was Russell Crowe. Which I remember, I believe he was in that The Mummy movie with Tom Cruise. So Tom Cruise obviously was going to be uh, the mummy guy, <laughs> Nick Morton. Um, <laughs> that dude. <laughs> yeah. Javier Bardem was supposed to be Frankenstein's monster. Ooh. Uh, Sophia Botella, which I believe she was the mummy already in the mummy movie. No word on the wolf man. And guess what? Johnny Depp was supposed to be the invisible man. Oh, man. Ooh, no bueno. <laughs> Dodged a bullet there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> they went this direction. Yeesh. Yep. So there we go. That was the, you know, since canceled dark universe. I kind of would want to see Javier Bardem as Frankenstein, though. Oh, I know, no right? doubt. I, I think like some of the casting choices are fine. Like again, I think that's that's a great choice, especially if you do it like old school, like the the novel, like where the creature is actually somewhat articulate and and philosophical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'd 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 do that. Um, especially like compare it to the De Niro version. I don't know if you know De Niro was yeah, <laughs> the Brano <laughs> like De Niro version. Yeah, um, that would be great. But... Um, I will just say. Of course thanks for having me on and what how lucky are we to have two great movies to watch you know you never know sometimes sometimes you get stinkers but uh these are both i feel very excellent concur i would just like to say good for her good for her <laughs> cheers to that well uh adam why don't you tell us a little bit about uh respawn aim fire and your DD podcast which i'm blanking on the name of but all of misfit roles perhaps there you go yeah there you go <laughs> yeah so i do two things um mostly you can find all of those on adam gumby on twitter that's the easiest way but respawning respawning fire a video game podcast we do that every week um do reviews all that fun stuff i have you know i have fun things in the works for that for game of the year hopefully we'll see uh, but yeah respawning fire if you like video game stuff and then isle of misfit rolls or just misfit rolls which is a live streamed DD podcast so you can watch that live on twitch or just listen to the podcast afterwards and it's basically, we can't make the joke now. I said it was Suicide Squad if it was good, but that was before James Gunn made the Suicide Squad movie that was actually enjoyable. So now we just say, it's like, hey, James Gunn, D&D, Suicide Squad, everyone have a good time. So As, uh, I've seen um, episodes of both of those projects. I can confirm you guys do have a good time. Like it looks like a lot of fun on, on both of those projects, uh, which is to. the most important thing. Yeah. You just got to have like a bring a weird energy to everything. Just be an insane person. And you'll have a real, a real fun time. <laughs> that certainly helps, man. I that can confirm a... that's the best way to play D&D. Well, we, hey man, we appreciate you being on the podcast and uh, joining us for some, for some horror talk. You're, uh, you're welcome back anytime. If you want to join on the regular podcast. All right. Well, you can find us on Twitter at screen quest pod <laughs> Uh, no more polls for the foreseeable future as far as movie selections. We're going back to our regular format where we'll be drawing a card, uh, which if you guys have just a second, I can do our next card now. Adam, if you want to be a part of that, I just have to swap over to the uh, the regular Scream uh, quest. So give me just a second. I will cut around this. Okay. Drum roll, please. Oops, I only picked up one card and shuffled it. That doesn't really do any good, does it? <laughs> okay. And our next film is going to be. Ooh, it's a director drill down. So uh, first one, I think. It is the first one. Uh, we'll talk logistics. We probably will spread this out over a couple of weeks. It is me, and we're going to be watching two sci-fi films by Andre Tarkovsky. 
Solaris and Stalker. So uh, as a video game guy, Adam, you're familiar with Stalker, um, uh, which is has a sequel coming out, interrupted, unfortunately, by the fighting in Ukraine. Hopefully it won't affect it too much, but um there you go those are going to be our next two movies again we'll, we'll announce on social media i imagine we'll probably try to split those up as we've learned like sometimes double features can be challenging but who knows we might get froggy and uh and just do them as one episode but they're both pretty long movies so um i'm gonna probably bet on a double feet or uh sorry two episodes versus a double feature but stay tuned for more anyway thank you for all the support as I said, last episode, October has been a great month of growth for us. We really appreciate it. Like if you're new here, like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the show. Do me a favor though. Tell one person, tell five people, like just share the show. If you're enjoying this, uh, retweet us, uh, make a recommendation on social media or in person, uh, hit that share button though. That really is going to continue to help us grow, but thank you for your support in the meantime. And until next week, we love you. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.